Hey, hey, Michigan Maniacs. This is the Michigan Maniac Podcast, and I am your host, Adam Brewer. Uh, This episode today is going to be uh, focusing on the combine, uh, the fan base, what we feel about what makes a good or bad fan base. I've heard a podcast earlier this week that really hit on that, and I had some thoughts. Uh, Also, uh, what the guys have been doing at the combine, which has been impressive. Also, uh, I think there was one more. No, I think that's it. So we'll get we'll get moving on this right now. Oh, Michigan basketball, of course. Duh. Um, guys, go to the Michigan Maniac fan page on Facebook and on Instagram. That's uh, where I make my own memes, post my own stuff. We'll talk about whatever. I don't really care. Whatever you guys want to do, I love talking to you guys. It's fun. It's exciting. It's everything I want it to be. Uh, two. Uh, I'm getting close to getting a person to do the editing for my YouTube videos, uh, so that'll be easier uh, for me. Makes everything a lot simpler, so I can get going on that. Also, uh, the promotion that I always have is go to either the Michigan Maniac fan page and leave a review, or go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, same thing, leave a review there. Then hit me up, uh, send me a message, or DM me. And leave me your full name, your address, and what platform you put it on, and we'll go from there. And I'll send you a Maniac logo uh, sticker. High quality, good stuff. People love it, and I love giving them out. So let's get moving. Uh, Before we get into the fan base, because I'm a little bit more passionate about that subject, is let's talk about Combine and what... Just the small things that are coming out about the combine and some of the Michigan players in it. Um, one, I the guy I want to talk about right off the bat is John Runyon Jr. Um, I give it to the big man, uh, a very uh, a, a great help to me and a very nice guy, James Yoder from the Michigan Report, Michigan Football Report. He posted, I believe it was him. He posted a video of John Runyon Jr. today talking at the combine, and it really was phenomenal. It was great. It, I loved listening to. Uh, his his rapport with his father, how his dad would write notes but not be overbearing and, you know, just kind of let him be the man he is and then the pressure of being John Runyon, uh, not just not the namesake but the son of and all the comparisons, I know that had to be hard because in Denver you watch Jack Elway uh, crumble, really, under the pressure of being John Elway's son. And I mean, he did all right, but he never lived up to the hype. And there was so much hype that he never lived up to. And then him going to Arizona State and then really screwing that up as well. So you can see where things can go go awry, you know. And it was great to hear that. And then just the technical stuff that this kid, how smart he is and how he felt prepared and everything he did when he how he approached Chase Young what the differences between Chase Young and AJ Epinesa and how he felt he did against those and then how he's just excited to get drafted and go into the NFL and be a guard center tackle whatever uh and his comfortability with all those positions it really was a great I was probably about 18 20 minutes long I could have watched another 30 minutes of it. I When you really see the passion, that's the thing that I love about college football is the passion of these young men who really love the sport. And it, it, it hits home with me because that's, for me, that's what I love. I love football. I loved it. I, just the smell of the grass to the, the atmosphere of the actual game day, you know, Bus, the bus ride to the stadium, all the gosh, all the stuff that creates football that just is a part of football, and it was awesome to hear that. Uh, so I really hope John uh, John Running Jr. gets drafted. It'd be very cool if he got drafted by the by the Eagles or whatever. I still think it would be a great idea um, for a team like Miami or somebody who's having trouble with the offensive line that you. You know, you take, you spend one, one round, get your quarterback. And then the next upcoming rounds, because they have talented wide receivers. They have a good tight end. They've got decent running game. Now, if you put, you get three 
or four offensive linemen that have played together for two to three years already. And, I mean, if you get Ruiz, if he's still around at that point, because you probably got to go for your quarterback right off the bat, and Ruiz is probably going to go first round, so you might miss out on Ruiz. But if you got, like, Bredesen and then Runyon, uh, if you get three, I, I think it's crazy. Sure, it sounds weird, but they already have – that nucleus setup, they already have the familiarity with each other, and they could come in and kind of make a statement. Maybe you never know. I'm a Michigan fan. I would love to see a team do that, but I don't think that's going to happen. But I still think it'd be awesome. Um, two, the other thing I uh, I want to uh, I want to talk about is DPJ. I mean, a lot of us have to be uh, feeling confused, maybe annoyed irritated there's a lot of uh happy a lot of mixed emotions i had when i saw how athletic and how amazing tpj really is and it makes you wonder how we wasted such a talent i mean it's kind of like back in the day when lsu had uh jarvis landry and um jarvis landry and uh uh, OBJ on the same team, and they never won a national title, right? You gotta be, that had to be two of the most talented wide receivers in college and really didn't live up to what they should have done because they had no quarterback. And that really is what I guess not – I don't know if Michigan underutilized uh, DPJ. We just, we just didn't hit on a quarterback. If we would have hit on a quarterback, what could have – DPJ and Nico Collins and Ronnie Bell could have been last year. Or hell, DPJ in his two to three years, his three years with Michigan. What could he have been if we had a quarterback? Not John O'Corn, not the privileged Mr. Sissy Pants Wilton Spate, and definitely not Shea Patterson. Um, yeah. And then you think. Okay, so we lost. We definitely lost out on utilizing that kind of uh, that kind of talent. So it makes you wonder um, in recruiting how that may actually. You would think putting teams into the NFL, uh, putting kids into the NFL, is a help in which it is. I'm not going to ever argue that it's not because it's true. You want the reputation of being a coach in a program that puts kids into the NFL. But if I'm a wide receiver. And I see what DPJ was able to run today, a 4-4-6 four, four, or 4-4-5 four, four, or whatever it was. His vertical leap was 44.5 or something like that. He, his shuttle runs were awesome. His catching, well, now I want to know the catching drills I don't really care about because we're talking about in-game catching and he was sporadic at best. But um, if, I was a, if I was a recruit, I'd be like, well, Look at what this kid did. He never had more than 90-something yards in one game at Michigan. You just... You really got to think, right? Like, maybe that might hurt us. I This year, I really do believe this next coming season is very important in Michigan football. Uh, I think it... I think this season can really uh, ignite... Rumors and wants of of Harbaugh maybe getting fired if if our offense can't put up huge numbers because maybe you can say okay well Michigan had DPJ but they were more of a run offense you know run to set up the pass uh, DPJ you know blah 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 you can you can make excuses for why the wide receivers weren't the main focus of previous Michigan offenses you could make the argument right. And also the main argument we never had we've never had a quarterback be dominant. But then again, it, we've always had run first offenses. So you're not really going to put up huge numbers, you know. So I don't know. Maybe just I I just have to think that this coming up year, if we don't utilize those wide receivers, and they say Nico Collins goes into the fucking uh, NFL draft and the combine and tears it up like he's probably going to, then puts two years in a row where top-level wide receivers did nothing on Michigan. With Michigan, 
on whatever and then go into the combine and show that they had real talent. That could hurt us. I I just think that has to be in the mind of of kids now, right? You have to look at that. So that's why I really do think that this year is huge for us in the passing game, and that's why the quarterback and we talked about this at nauseum about this is the most important quarterback battle maybe in Michigan history. Um, anyways, so but then also you go with. Uh, Shea Patterson ran like a 4-6. Not bad. I mean, I don't think he's going to get drafted. Uh, it doesn't matter how fast you are in that. I mean, he really hurt himself in that senior bowl. He really did. But, well, he really hurt himself this whole season. I mean, if the Shea Patterson of 2018 showed up, then... If you swap the years, right? And I know Shea Patterson threw for 3,061 yards or 67 yards, whatever it is. And uh, the second most in Michigan history and blah, blah, whatever. I still would have taken last the 2018 Shea Patterson over 2019 Shea Patterson. And I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know about Shea Patterson is that he's lazy or he's privileged. One of the two. Because you come off a decent season in 2018. He didn't have to make all the passes because it was a run-first offense. And, but he still looked much better in 18 than he did in 19. Um, and I think it, it also makes me wonder, too, in this season. Um, I, I know I get off on these sidetracks because it hits you when you start talking about it. Your mind starts opening up to all these other things is that... If we had a quarterback, what could have this season been? I know I keep going back to that, but Shea Patterson missed. Uh, didn't even see wide open uh, wide receivers. So I don't even know if this kid should have gone to the, the combine. Because all you have to do is put in the tape, and you're going to see a kid who can't read defenses. So who cares if you run a 4-6, which is pretty good for a quarterback. It's not great. It's not Lamar Jackson, but no one's going to ask him to be Lamar Jackson. But you don't bet you he's as, as fast or faster than Baker Mayfield, about the same height, maybe a little bit taller. Not the arm strength by any stretch. But still, all you have to do is put it, who cares? He can't find open wide receivers. So who cares if he's at the combine? I know this is going to turn into how I hate Shea Patterson. But I, I most overrated quarterback in, mis- in Michigan history. I know. People, we talk this kid up way too much. And we got our feelings hurt when he didn't turn out to be great. We should have saw this at the beginning of this year, which I did. But I don't know. All right. I wasn't going to do this, but let's just stay. Well, I'll get back to Shea. I'll get back to Shea. I got to finish this combine part. Um, because it needs to be said that we have high talent kids playing. You hear nothing but great stuff about Cesar Ruiz at the combine. Look good. Uh, looks great, by the way. He, uh, whatever he's been doing, he's trimmed some of that more of that baby fat. He looks like an NFL center. He's smart. He's athletic. All these things are being reported. Fantastic thing about Cesar Ruiz. Uh, two. Uh, one of the great things I think is when you get an accommod- when you get a a shout out like Alabama ta- uh, Alabama uh, tackle said about what was his name Jerick Wills Jedrick Wills I think it is yeah Jedrick Wills that's a name um, when he says that the best player he played all year long didn't come out of the SEC and he said the speed that Josh Uche had, and he's a really good pass rusher. That is impressive. That is a glowing endorsement. That's what, I think that helped push Uche probably out of the third into middle, middle to late second round now. I really do. I think it's impressive that we have kids that are being recognized outside of uh, even outside of our own conference because it shows that we have talent. It shows that we're doing the right thing, I guess, in evaluating the talent. Now it's in utilizing it is a different story, but we can recognize it. So that's good. Even when it not a lot of people can. So it's nice to see, even though we're not getting a lot of five stars, which is fine. But if you can get that street, that three star that not everybody wants or does doesn't have much hope in, and you mold him into uh, an NFL player, I mean that helps. 
you know, so it's, it's a weird bag, right? Like DPJ being as talented he is and showing his raw athletic ability kind of hurts us to say maybe we don't utilize the top-notch talent. But then a guy like Uche, who was, what, a two-star maybe? Three-star, I think? And how we turned how they molded him, saw him, found him, molded him into an NFL fucking player. It's such a mixed bag with Michigan. I, it, it does my head in sometimes with why? If we could do so well molding and creating these kids, you would think DPJ would have been off the charts and would have been one of the, should have been held in, in such esteem as some of the high, some of the best wide receivers in Michigan history. <sighs> I just don't know. I it's so frustrating with this team right now. So, with that being said, though, um, oh yeah, and Sean McEwen, hey, nineteen. I think he got nineteen bench press, uh, bench press two twenty five, nineteen times. Not bad, not bad at all for a tight end, lanky kid, long arms. Uh, not bad. I think he'll he'll probably be the. There's going to be two that don't get drafted, and in my opinion, it's going to be Shea, and it's going to be. Uh, uh, McEwen, but I think McEwen's going to shock some people when he actually hits a camp because he's he's got some speed. Uh, he's worked on his hands. He's strong, smart. He he can block. So I think he he's going to be one of those really decent surprises that are people are like, oh shit, we this un, you know undrafted kid made its spot. I think you were going to see some good stuff about McEwen, but I don't think he's going to get drafted. Um, now. Uh, before I get into the fan base, uh, let's stick with Shea Patterson, right there. So something came out saying that Shea Patterson wanted, uh, was actively seeking or hoping he could get cleared for his fifth year so he could come back to Michigan. Um, I am in the, I'm, you know, everybody knows what I've said all year about Shea Patterson. I'm very happy we never have to see him put on the winged helmet ever again. Um, a lot of people hate him and a lot of people love him. I I think he is privileged. I don't think he's very, I don't think he has the drive to be great. I think he is very athletic. I think he was, and I think he rested on his laurels because he always felt he had his athletic ability and he had probably too many people kissing his ass. And I think Harbaugh and his, um, and his worry or just, him wanting to have that top level quarterback, uh, I think overextended and overpromised something, and then was stuck with this mess of a kid. Now I'm sure Shay's a very nice person. I'm not bagging on him as a person, so I want that clear. I think he's his game is privileged. I think he had too many people from the time he was little telling him how great he was, and I don't think his work ethic was great. I just don't, because you saw it on the field. You don't make a decline. When you know it's your senior year, you had a very good junior year, right? The only thing I could ever bag on on Shea uh, 2018, I only said that his arm strength sucked. He couldn't throw the long ball. I've said that from the first time I saw him in the Notre Dame game all the way till the end of his uh, the Alabama game in 2020. I've said that for as long as I could. But for the most part, he had a decent a very good to decent 2018. I was a Shea fan. I still wanted run DMC, but I still didn't think we were in bad hands with Shea. That was 2018. Maybe 2017, he felt like he had a he had to deliver something, so he worked hard to deliver it. And then when he knew he had the job in 2019, he laid off, hit the links, didn't work hard at all, and you saw what happened. Um, but... I'm glad he's never going to come back. Uh, I, I think that we should be blessed that he didn't get the fifth season. But there's also kind of a part of me, after I started thinking about this, was like, if he worked hard in the offseason of 2017 going into 2018, because he was leaving Old Miss and he wanted to prove that he was worth the hassle, maybe he worked harder. And then he did take the summer off and to that going from 2018 to 2019, but he definitely would have something to prove coming into the 2000, the 2020 season. So maybe we would have gotten a better Shea Patterson, 
right? I started to talk myself into that, right? Like, I was like, oh, yeah, he would have been. Yeah, I could see the trend here. Okay. And I said, well, who gives a shit? What's a better Shea Patterson? I mean, let's look at it. I mean, his his 2018 season, he had he, uh, through what was it? Okay, 210 completions out of 325 attempts, uh, 2,600 yards passing for 64% completion rate. That's 64%, not bad. Senior year, 214 completions. So he only completed four more passes in a major, in a Pass head. Now let that sink in, guys. He completed only four more passes in a pass heavy offense than he did in a run first offense in just two seasons, like back to back seasons. He only completed four more. He threw some like almost 60 more passes, 381. So, what? Th- 57 passes, whatever. Um, So he only completed four and threw, we'll just round up, 60 more passes that season. That's And then completed only 56% of his passing. What? Huh? No, I'm glad he didn't get the fifth season. I almost talked myself into it, and then I had to slap myself I, because this makes no sense. And here's the reason. I, I, yeah, I, he, to me, is the least. I could not, I can't stand him. And you know who I can't, I hated more than him, and I have changed my opinion, is John Navarre. John Navarre, to me, was the most aggravating quarterback to watch play at Michigan for me because it always felt like he either threw an incomplete pass or an interception. <laughs> it shocked me a couple years ago when I found out that he holds the most passing yards in Michigan history, right, for one season. Then it hit me why. Why did those two quarterbacks, Shea Patterson and John Navarre, irritate me so much? It's because... They had no confidence on that field. Now, when everything was goes great, everybody looks like they're king of the hill, you know, like they're the man out there when everything's going well. But when things went bad, John Navarre and definitely Shea Patterson looked scared. They didn't know how to handle themselves. They panicked. They missed wide open opportunities. They couldn't step up on the biggest stages, right? For me... Now, obviously, we'll take Brady out of this because I've said this. I'm not even going to go into my defense of Brady. I have been a huge Brady fan from the time he played at Michigan. Uh, I Like I always say, I knew he was going to be good in the NFL. I never thought he was going to be GOAT status, but I knew uh, Pro Bowls, numerous Pro Bowls for sure. Um, So we'll take Brady out of the conversation. But Todd Collins... I felt always looked good, always looked like he knew what was going on. And I mean, his uh, career completion, I mean, career now, 64.3, right? Quarterback rating of a 145. To me also, Elvis Gerbach, loved Elvis Gerbach. I didn't pan out in the NFL so much, but when Elvis lined up behind center, I believed he could make the passes. Now, granted, he had some high-level talent there. I think that was the Amani Toomer years, I believe. Mercury Hayes, I believe that's the same. Um, still, Amani Toomer, come on. Even if it was Desmond Howard, still great talent there to be throwing, just like Shea Patterson had. But I had no faith in Shea Patterson. Zero. Elvis Gerbach. Elvis Gerbach, 62.5 career completion percentage and a quarterback rating of 148.1. But Shea, people are going to be like, well, Shea, Shea actually has career uh, completion percentage, 60.1, and his quarterback rating is 144. So obviously the stats this kid put up are decent. But it's the leadership ability is what always stuck with me because I could never put my real thing like it always did me in because I always didn't like Shay in this in this senior year I didn't like him and I 
But he kept putting up these numbers and people could argue the numbers. And I get I get them arguing the numbers. But when the guy is behind center, when everything is when you're down by seven points or three points or eight points or ten points or whatever it is, one fucking point. Do you believe that quarterback you have can get you back in the game? And I never felt that with Shea because I had to tell you that in the perfect the perfect game that, that sums up everything, encapsulates the Shea Patterson um, experience would have to be his very first game at Michigan. Didn't look good through the whole game. Did some things all right. A lot of things not right. Um Fumbled the ball at the end of the game to lose it for us. Never looked like he was in control of anything. But to me, when and I knew, and that's another reason why I picked this is because when he went out with cramps, Dylan McCaffrey came in, and Dylan McCaffrey looked like he was in charge. They were down, uh, but he moved the ball. He got him into position to score, and then Shea got him got the got all the credit for the touchdown. But it was Dylan McCaffrey that settled the team. It was Dylan McCaffrey that got the offense moving, not Shea Patterson. I believe the offense takes on the the uh, the feelings of a quarterback. You know, they they emulate that. Like if. You know, if if your quarterback is just strong and smart and confident, the, the offense feels it and they're like, we got this. Okay, we got this because we have this guy behind us. This guy's throwing the ball. We know that we're in good hands. But when you've got a panicked kid who has big eyes looking scared all the time like he does and everybody's seen it, you can look in any one of those games where he's doing badly and you can look on Shea Patterson's face and know he was fucked. He had no fucking clue how to do anything. He was fucked. There's no confident look on that guy's face ever. But then when everything's going great, yeah, we're great. And I I fell into the trap junior year. I really did because I loved how fiery he was and the offense didn't land on him. He didn't need to be that go-to guy because it was Karan Higdon's team. We were on a run-first team. So Karan held held it down for us he was the go-to guy and he did great first thousand yard rusher in a while fantastic loved watching that kid run but it wasn't Shea Patterson's team he wasn't voted as a captain and that should tell you something um so yeah so yeah no I have all these quarterbacks it's like they have to be they have to be better than him in the numbers and as I started looking up I was like they're not why did I feel so why did I feel so more so much more confident with a Chad Henney than and a Elvis Gerbach uh Todd Collins I love Todd Collins love Todd Collins not a huge fan of Brian Greasy only because I I felt that Brady was the better quarterback but still I felt more uh, I felt that Greasy could get the job done. I just was a Brady fan. And I was like, no, these guys have to have better numbers than Shea Patterson. And I looked it up. I'm like, fuck, they don't. They're comparable or he has better numbers. And then it occurred to me. It's because he looked scared. He never had control. He never seemed like a real leader out there. And that's why. I just don't care about him. I'm glad he's gone. So... Uh, much to do about nothing. So see you later, Shea Patterson. I hope you know what. I hope you and Ben Fansumer and have a great time at the convenient, uh, the convenience store, the convenient hut, or whatever the hell I concession stand. That's what I called it. You guys can run the concession stand next year. Uh, you can miss. You can overthrow people, underthrow all the customers with their hot dogs and their their beer and all that. Whatever the bologna they sell, the peanuts, and Vince Van Sumeren can drop them all because he can't hold on to the ball. Why could he hold on to fucking peanuts or hot dogs? So however you want to do it, you two are going to be great at the convenience stand concession stand next season good luck see you later or the xfl i'm sure the xfl if they're still around need backup quarterbacks shea patterson be a great backup quarterback for the like the seattle dragons you know um now let's get a little bit about michigan basketball and then we'll get into the one thing i'm really excited about is the fan base michigan basketball 
needs, I don't know, every time you think they're going to do something, they kind of have a little fallback, right? Uh, I just, I'm excited to see what they can do. Um, Wisconsin, we always play shitty against Wisconsin. So I don't know if I really hold that against them. That's just one of those teams and the way they play us that no matter what team, no matter what coach, what scheme, we always struggle with Wisconsin. So I'm not really overly worried with that. I want to see how they handle the two games I'm really curious about. Out of what the three that are left, we're gonna we should smoke Nebraska. But I want to see how they handle themselves against Ohio State and Columbus, and then I want to see how they handle Maryland. Now, if they beat Ohio State, which I think they can, and I'm I'm almost betting that they will. And then they go in and handle Maryland, even if they lose, but show that they can compete with the big boy of the conference. I mean, even Maryland can get beat. Uh, they lost to Ohio State just recently, but still, I think it's good. I think Michigan basketball right now, if they don't sustain any more injuries, I think they they could be a second weekend team. They might even get into the Elite Eight, maybe. Everything falls the way it should be. Um, but the, yeah. They're young guys that if everything doesn't fall in line for them, I don't know that if they're experienced enough to overcome it. And that would be my one thing about the basketball team. Um, But I'm excited about what next year has to bring. Uh, Very excited that Jawan Howard is a much better coach than we ever thought he would be. Um, So, yeah, my analysis is kind of boring with this because I love watching him play. I just don't think there's – what are you going to break down? It's it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry, right? Like Teske disappeared for most of the season, or great at the beginning, disappeared for a long stretch of time. Uh, kind of had to adjust his game because he wasn't a back to the uh, basket type of guy. Jawan needs him to be that way, help him get into the NBA. Um, so that was a hard that, and it didn't help him that he had some of the best big men. Illinois, uh, the Illinois team, the Iowa guy, Garza. Like you could tell, basketball is not my favorite sport. I love basketball, but I'm not as passionate about about it as I am football. But Teske hit a hit a tough patch, and then he probably was probably a little bit dinged up. I'll give him that. Um, you know, so it's you know I. I think we're good. I think we're much better than I thought we were going to be. I didn't even expect us to be this good. So hats off to fucking Juwan Howard for getting these guys to play at their their top potential. It's phenomenal. I mean, Castleton looked great the other night. Fucking uh, Austin Davis. Who knew that this kid could make such leaps and bounds? Nunez is maybe falling a little bit behind. He needs a great three-point shooter. A little streaky. Well, way too streaky. So we'll leave it at that. I wish him luck. I'm very curious how they're going to go against Ohio State and Maryland. And that that's when I'll kind of make up my mind on how far they'll go in this in this playoff. Um, I think regardless of what happens, we're probably going to be about a four or five seed going into the Big Ten tournament. And I think we can we can win the Big Ten tournament. I really have faith that we can do that. So then after that, I want to see where we fall into the big tourney. Um, so let's get into this fandom thing. Um so there's a podcast out there that is uh it, okay so I see the Michigan fan base right as two different uh two different warring factions of the same family. Um one is the helicopter parent type are the the uh parents that take the approach with their children as no matter what my child does, I'm never going to tell them that they do bad. I'm always going to tell them that I love them. I'm always going to hug them and kiss them and make them think that no matter, even if they shit the bed, that they are the greatest thing that's ever walked the face of this earth. And then there's the other side. Oh, there's probably three sides, but two, the the major side, I think, is realistic fans who say, I love them. I'm a Michigan fan. I bleed maize and blue. I can't wait. I care about what goes on with this team. I care about the kids on the team. But I will say you suck when you suck. You have every right to say you suck to these kids. Then there's the 2% that are just 
uh, wackadoos. They're like the uncle that everybody has in the family that you you shove into the basement because they're way too inappropriate and way too a little bit crazy to be around normal people. And those are the ones that that tweet the guys and say, "Go kill yourself, fuck off, we hate you," you know. You are uh, you're the worst person in the world. Jump in front of the car. You know all the dumb shit that these idiots say all the time, right? Those are about two percent. They're the weird uncle you shove in the fucking basement and you slide the food down when there's a family get together because he's not allowed to be in the basement. And you definitely don't want the kids around him, so you keep him away from everybody that's normal. Now we're not going to talk about those people because we can all agree that those people are crazy, but. Overall, though, they have the right to say this stuff. And I'll tell you why all this is my opinion on all this, right? The one thing that we forget to talk about. Now, I heard this podcast and the guy was saying, we have to put yourselves in their shoes. They, they, they're, they practice super hard. They get up early. They, uh, they have bad days with their families. They do all this. Yeah, and... And then they play football. And we should criticize them, which this guy barely does. A great guy, though, I would assume. I don't know him personally, but, you know, I listen. I, I think I agree with them most of the time, but on this, I don't. Um, so just put yourself in their shoes. Well, here's the thing. If you put yourself in the public eye, and that's what they are doing, because if they just wanted to be athletes or student athletes, they could have picked other colleges to go to that's not in the public eye. They could have gone they could have gone to Eastern Michigan. And guess what? I bet you no one really talks shit. You will not get the 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 eye of the country. You will no one will ever pay attention to you if you're at Eastern Michigan. So you could have gone to play football there and still hope to get to the NFL. When you do that, when you say I want to become a part of a one percent boys club, then and you put yourself into the public eye, you cannot control. What the public says or does, like, obviously, we're not talking about violence or anything like that. And one, you should never believe the hype or the negativity thrown your way. That is something your parents should have done in creating you as a person, taught you who you are as a person, how you need to react to people, and go on from there. So if you hear great things, good, I'm great, oh, very good. And then if you do bad stuff, you don't think, I'm going to jump off of a building because they told me I suck or I don't belong on the field, right? And now let's say your parents were garbage parents, but you're mega talented and you made it to the to the football team. And then the coach needs to do that and teach you some of these things so you don't take it personal. The fan base isn't responsible for your feelings, right? We have every right to say you suck because guess what? If it wasn't for the fan base, you wouldn't be going on trips every year to exotic locations. You wouldn't have top-notch facilities, you wouldn't because no one would give a shit. Go check out uh, Northern Colorado's uh, workout facility and tell me if it's anywhere near the same workout facility as Michigan. You want to play for a big time fucking university and get noticed, then sack up, bud, and deal with the people who tell you you fucking suck. And also, get ready for those people to kiss your fucking ass when you sucked your freshman year, but you're a fucking stud your senior year. They're fans. They're not your mother. They're not your daddy. They're not related to you. And you don't know who the fuck they are. So who gives two shits what these fucking people say to you? 
do your job, get to the NFL, and then fucking give them the middle finger if you want to. Because let's pucker up, buttercup. Here's a fucking little news flash for you. The NFL doesn't get any easier. The fan base doesn't get any easier when you go to the... And I know I've said this a million times, but it should sink into some people. If you play for the Raiders or the Steelers or the Cowboys, do you think the fan base gives two fucks about your feelings? You drop a ball, and you then that ball, you drop a touchdown. Like let's say Ronnie Bell. Let's put it into a situation. Let's say that ball that God bless poor Ronnie Bell for dropping that ball going uh, against Penn State. Let's say that was to go to the Super Bowl. You're going to tell me that that fan base isn't going to want to fucking put him on a spike and yell at him and tell him like a garbage piece of crap and all that he is. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of people who care about him. And like normal people, right? And you're also going to have the, the the other people that always say, well, hey, you're the greatest thing ever. But yeah, you should have probably caught that. And then, but the, the fan bases aren't responsible for your fucking feelings. They're the fan base. They're supposed to be rabid. They're supposed to be fucking crazy. That's just what fans are. Fan comes from, is derived from the word fanatic. I'm sorry. If you don't know what fanatic is, look it up. I'll tell you, it's not one that says, we love you. You're great. No. And if, yeah, you sucked as a freshman. Here's the thing. I love Channing Stribling. I I thought he was underrated as a cornerback at Michigan. And I think it was crazy sad that a lot of the fan base busted his balls about that, the way he got schooled against uh, Patterson or Peterson or whatever that fuckers that guy was that wide receiver from Penn State. Yeah, it's a shame. And a lot of people said that he sucked. And those same people came back and told him that they wanted autographs and loved him when he was good. Well, guess what, dude? You get you got to earn a paycheck that two percent of this world gets to see. 2%. Guess what? I get up every day and I work my ass off. Sometimes for 12 to 16 hours a day. And guess what? If people came to watch me stack bags and I didn't bring my A game and they said, God damn, he sucked today. Yeah, you're fucking right. I probably did suck. But guess what? If people were paying to watch me, then I'm probably making sure I'm making a lot more money than I'm making right now. And I would expect people to criticize when they plunk down hard-earned fucking money to watch you drop a ball. That's just what the fuck happens. I'm sorry. That's the way it goes. You have every right in this world to say what you want and also be called out on it. If Channing Stribbing doesn't like it, he has every right to call them out too. I'm just saying, if you're letting the fans dictate how you feel, you may be a lunatic. Or you have no self-esteem. You have no belief in yourself. I'm a comedian. I, I'm loosely a comedian because I've been hurt and I've been able to do it for such a while, for a long time. But when I go up on stage, I know if I did good or not because people don't have to laugh. But you don't see me like, oh, th- those crowds need to laugh for me because don't they understand that I go to open mics and I try really hard to be good at this and they should just tell me I'm great. No, these motherfucking people... Put down hard-earned money. Some of these people, that might be the only date night they have in a month. Maybe every other week. Because maybe they have shit jobs and a shit life. And they want to go and fucking laugh. And then they come see my punk ass and I don't do something funny. They have every right to be disappointed. But I don't rely on them to make me feel good. And also with this... I'm tired. I refuse to believe that recruits base where they're going off of what the fan base fucking says. And I'll tell you why. If a recruit is telling you that, oh, well, the fan base is pretty tough. I don't know if I'll go there because of it. They're lying. They were never going to come to Michigan anyways if that's how they feel. Because here's a little thing. And um, I'm going to post this on Michigan, on the Michigan Maniacs uh Facebook, and maybe even Instagram. Dan Ravel did a who is the most annoying college fan base in America. And you know who won? Ohio State. Percentage 33%. Number two, 
Alabama at 28%. Number three, Notre Dame, 27%. And at 12%, Tennessee. Uh, I got news for you. Three out of those four teams have, have been to at least one college football playoff game. And two out of the fucking four have been to numerous college football ga- uh, college playoff football games and have won numerous national titles. So this whole fan base fucking bullshit is horse crap. I don't ever want to hear a recruit or a player ever complain about the fucking fan base. You want to get good recruits to come to Michigan? Then fucking beat Ohio State. Win big fucking games like against Alabama. You think Alabama fan base is happy when a fucking field goal kicker misses a goddamn field goal? Let's put it this way. Uh, Greg McElroy, which is another awful quarterback for Alabama, but won the national title, I think, um, came out and said when the Alabama kicker missed a field goal, I think, against Auburn. And the tweet was, gut-wrenching loss for Alabama, but anyone that directs hatred or vitriol towards the Alabama kicker needs to take a step back and remember that nobody is is hurting more than him. It is a team game, and it always comes down to more than just one play to win or lose a game. Well, guess what? If everybody was so positive in the Alabama fan base, because if you want to believe this one podcaster, that a lot of these recruits... So base, one of the factors in all them going to whatever college it is is that it's a positive fan base, then uh, that tweet wouldn't exist. So there are obviously numerous people in the Bama fan base that wanted to fucking kick that kid right in the fucking face and probably told me he's a loser, a dickhead, he should go kill himself, he, he should have his balls kicked off, uh, his mother's a slut, his daddy's a uh, is. It's got a hemorrhoids. I wanted to say some other things, but I don't want it to come off hateful because it's not. Um, and then a John Solomon. I don't even know who this guy is. But this was another tweet. The tweets being directed at Alabama kicker for missing a field goal are a field goal are sadly as awful as I feared. Well, let's put it this way. If Alabama's fan base was so positive because they're one of the best fucking college football teams and they and they've had what, seven or eight number one recruiting classes? Because we all know from what this podcaster says is that these kids really listen to the fucking, to the tweets of the fan base and they dictate where they go. That's one of the factors. Are you fucking crazy? Only weak-minded assholes decide that they're going to go to a college based off the fucking tweets that the fan base put out. If that if those recruits are telling you that, then they are lying to you. They were never going to go to Michigan because they probably went to Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, or somewhere, Georgia, somewhere else other than Michigan. And they wanted to tell you that because maybe they just wanted to dig at Michigan or something. Who knows? But if a kid makes up his mind solely based off of or even puts in, remotely puts in the fucking idea that the fan base should be positive and not be so crazy, then that dude's a fool. An absolute moron. And good luck. Go play somewhere else. I don't want you here. Because Alabama is worse than we are. Ohio State's worse than we are, but that doesn't stop them from getting top five recruiting classes. Ridiculous. I mean, please, just come out. Some of these guys, I'm not saying who, but some of these podcasters should just come out and say, I want to suckle at the teat at Michigan because that's my paycheck, and I never want to upset them, and I want to make it look, I want to put Michigan in the best light possible. And that's fine because I want to do the same thing. I love Michigan. But to think, to even come out and remotely protect Shea Patterson and call him a good quarterback is insane. And then two, try to say, that us as a fan base need to fucking kiss ass and not, well, oh, criticize. He wants us to call him out when he wants to, you know, when they do bad, but it never really happens when I, the criticism this guy gives is not criticism. But either way, that's his, that's his prerogative. And he has every right to say that. Just like I have every right to say fucking Shea Patterson is the fart in the goddamn elevator. He was awful this year. He couldn't find a goddamn wide receiver if it had neon on his whole fucking body. Couldn't do it. So that's all I'm saying. All right. The fan base is the fan base. Fucking who cares? The only time that a fan base should really give a fuck about what's going on are those fucking crazy ass idiots. The weird uncle in the basement that's telling these fucking kids to go kill themselves. 
right? It's the only time that we as a fan base should be like, if we get more of the uncles in the basement than actual fans like me and then or the Mr. Levy pants over on the other uh, podcast, then we have big trouble. But outside of that, if it only stays in the 2%, who gives a shit? And if a fucking player can't handle it, then buddy, whatever your whatever your degree is, then go with it. Don't go to the NFL because you're going to get crushed. They are going to hurt your little soul and they're going to make you feel bad because if you can't handle what college football fan bases are saying, what the fuck do you think people are going to tell you when you don't make it to the Super Bowl and it's your fault? Let's, I can't wait to see when you run home and cry to mama on that one. But guess what? When you do that and you eventually make it to the NFL and they tell you to go eat a dick because you dropped a fucking ball and you go home and you go cry to your mama, you know what you're going to do? You're going to have millions upon millions of dollars to cry upon because you were able and God gifted a talent to that something that 2% of this country can do or even the world can do. You've been blessed to have to lead a life where you get to play a game for a living. A game, mind you. And you give two shits what I have to say or anybody else has to say? Get a fucking grip. Grow some balls and be a goddamn man for heaven's sakes. Yeah, and then you can then go cry all you want into your hundreds of millions of dollars. Even if you only made $600,000 in pro football, guess what? That's more than most people in this country or in the world will ever make in their lifetime. Just get some perspective before you start crying about the fan base. The fan base is like the ocean. It should have huge huge waves. It should crash. It should come in and out. And it, it should never matter to you. Understand? It shouldn't matter to you. If I love you one game and hate you the next, it doesn't change who you are as a person. And if it makes you feel differently about a sport that you get to play for millions of dollars or even hundreds of thousands of dollars, then you're a weak-minded fool and you should just go and fucking work at a McDonald's and really see what it's like to fucking have uh, a shit life. <laughs> All right? So get out of here with this fan base nonsense. All right, guys. I've talked long enough. Uh, thank you, guys. I didn't think this podcast was going to be very long, but apparently I had a lot to say. Um Regardless, I still think I love Michigan football. I love Michigan sports. I'm so pleased and happy that we are so good right now. This is a great time for all sorts of Michigan sports. And I really do believe 2020 is going to be one of the best Michigan football teams that we've had in a long time. I really do believe that. So it is great to be a Michigan Wolverine. It is. It is great. Even with the weird uncles in the basement, it's still great to be a Michigan Wolverine. (sighs) And guys, always remember, forever and always, go blue.